Four Points Online, we are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. Round four of undefeated is about Peter, about Peter. My mom, when I was a kid, used to say all the time, you remind me so much of this cat, of Peter. And I would tell her, be careful what you say, because it can get awkward when you say that, mom. But some of y'all will get it later. Just tell you, you're welcome. But. But I get this guy so much. And so let me just give you a little bit of background, a little bit of background before I jump in. Peter was the guy that was a fisherman. And a couple weeks ago, at the end of our um, series, hashtag we are four points, at the end of that series, I talked about Peter at the end and how they were uncommon, ordinary people that were doing all these extraordinary things and people thought it was crazy and they didn't understand what was going on. But here's the truth about Peter. Peter was a type A, loud, eccentric outgoing. He was not an introvert, very much an extrovert personality type, but he was very much uneducated and he very much didn't have it all together. Any of us that feel, and I, I listen, there's some people in the room that I, it doesn't, this is not introvert, extrovert. This is not about how you feel about yourself. This is, this is about what we put off to other people. And any of us that have tried in our lives to put off that we've got it together will understand the tension that Peter felt his entire life. That, that when I'm around you, it doesn't matter how I feel. I've got to make sure that you think that I've got my stuff together. And, and, and in Peter's life, when he got called to be a disciple, when Jesus called him off the boat and said, come on, I'm going to make you a fisher of man now. I'm, I'm, you, don't have to, you can be fishers of men and not fishers of whatever those kind of little fish are in the Sea of Galilee. Come on, we're going to do this thing, and it's going to be awesome and whatever. So, so when Jesus called him, he came out from a very common, ordinary, and listen, Jerusalem is an interesting place, one of my favorite places on the planet. But if you were from that area, you were the who's who. If you were from the Galilee region, which is north of Jerusalem, you were not. Almost nobody. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was, was doing his healings and going around doing his earthly ministries, people, the Pharisees said, what good can come from Galilee? Those cats are crazy up there. They, they're just ordinary. There's no great scholars come from up here. No, nothing great comes from up here. And so not only was Peter from the wrong place, but he was the wrong person. Peter, Peter had nothing together. And so, when listen, this is the tension that we all feel, is when God pulls us out of something like that, where we don't feel as smart as people around us. We don't feel as attractive as people around us. We don't feel the part, but we know what God has told us we are going to do. We begin to try to make up for that. I need some people to lean in with me today because I know that I'm not the only one that feels like this guy did. We have to make up for what we don't have in order to make sure that they think that we are what God said that we were going to be. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so Peter had this tension his entire life. Peter's the guy that when Jesus was coming to get arrested and they were in the Kidron Valley in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter bowed his chest up and said, not on my watch, Ka-klow! and cut dude's ear off. Now, I would have given him knuckles, but Jesus put the guy's ear back on. So that tells you the difference in me and Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Or I might have been, you know, 
standing there with my nunchucks and trying to do the same thing. I don't know. But I, I picture myself with him, and I feel, you know, that, that adrenaline rush. Like, yes, do it, Peter. That's what I'm talking about. Peter's the guy that was the first one to step out of the boat. Said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. And he comes out, and you can just see him. He was bold. He was amazing in what God had in him. But listen, this is so important. It's so important. You don't have to be like him to understand him. The greatest strength of him was also his greatest weakness. His, his self-belief ended up being what crushed him in our story. And, and, and I feel that tension. But you don't have to bring the good to the party, everybody. God's already got it covered. And whenever we feel like we've got to be good enough, it's us telling God that he's not. And that is almost all Christians, no matter where you come from, no matter if this is your personality type or not, that doesn't even matter. And so the title of the message today is From Unworthy to Undefeated. From Unworthy to Undefeated. Because here's the scenario that took place. Peter right before he cut dude's ear off. And I believe it's reactionary, and I understand that. Right before this, Jesus had told the disciples, listen, somebody in here is going gonna, is gonna to betray me. And I can, just, I can just picture the room, right, with the 12 disciples, and, and I, can, I can see him being the alpha bow up and say, who is it? Because I will knock somebody in the mouth. I'll punch y'all. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't be, don't be spiritual on me today. <laughs> I will kick somebody with this size 14 upside that noggin if you're trying to mess with Jesus. And when he's talking junk like this, Jesus looks at him and says, by the way, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, come on, Jesus. I know you, Jesus. I know I'm me. Okay. So we can get on the same page for a second. But I'd rather die. I'd rather die. He cuts my man's ear off. Jesus comes and gets arrested. And then I want to show you a video that's only a couple minutes long. But this is from the location that the story that I'm going to read first took place. Right outside of Jerusalem. It's actually in Jerusalem, but it's right outside the, the city walls. It's right outside the place that Jesus would eventually be taken in and crucified. But this is the steps in which he denied Christ. Remember, not days before, not weeks before, but hours before he had said, I would rather die. Some of y'all, before you watch this video, I want you to get this. Some of y'all have said things like, I will never cheat on my wife. Some of y'all have said things like, I will, never, I will never cut corners in my business. And you got caught in tax evasion. Some of y'all have said things like, I will never. And we have to be careful because we are human beings. And I'm not, I'm not justifying our sin because sin is sin. And all sin separates us from God. But listen to me. What I'm saying is all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. There's not one person in the room. There's not one person in the room that is not full of that stuff. It's, it, it, it is what makes us human and what gives us the great need for our Savior. It does not disqualify you from walking with Him. What disqualifies you is the pride and the belief that you can qualify yourself. And Peter felt this great tension of, I will never because I've got to lead these people. And Jesus never called him to be that. Jesus called him to be a follower of his. And the thing that got him to the place that he got to was not what happened in the story that I'm going to show you right now, but it was his heart believing that he could do it on his own. And that is where the enemy wants to get us. He does not care what you accomplish in your life, everybody. He just wants to make sure you do it without Jesus. 
This is one of my favorite places in all of Israel. And I love Israel. I'm, I get to go back. I get to go back right after Christmas this year, and I can't wait. And when you're standing in these places, it takes your breath away because you realize this particular place was the place that it happened. So y'all watch this. I'm standing outside the house of Caiaphas, and the significance of these steps are they were uncovered not too long ago, and they've dated them, archaeologists have dated them about 120 B.C. And the significance of that is that we know for sure A-plus site, meaning they know 100% fact that this was the stairwell that took you from the upper room down to the Kidron Valley, which was the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you were heading back up, you would have gone this way. Now, these are the steps, and this is the way that they would have brought Jesus to the trial that would have happened right inside the house of Caiaphas. But, but here's something else. Right around here, somewhere around these steps, and it's where when Jesus said, Peter, you'll deny me three times, and he said, I will never do that. I would rather die than deny you. This is the exact location where Peter denied Christ, right here. The same steps that he walked up, the same steps that he walked down. Jesus walked up and down these steps the night that he was arrested, the night before he would be crucified. And then Peter, imagine being Peter in this place, knowing that Jesus was in here being flogged, being beaten, and being illegally tried. And you're outside with campfires right down here. Imagine this is the place where the rooster crowed three times Peter had denied Christ and then the rooster crowed. So, so imagine this, imagine being Peter right down here and seeing Jesus come out after being tried, being taken across the way to Pilate's house and seeing Jesus. Imagine what that was like. Imagine the defeated feeling knowing that you have no hope, knowing that you have on the day that Jesus needed you the most and you were the disciple that puffed his chest up and said, I can, I will. And you didn't. And you can't. How would Jesus react? What would you do? And from there, where would we go? This is the location that brings me so much hope because it didn't stop here. This was not the end of the story. As a matter of fact, for Peter, this was only the beginning. Only the beginning but Peter thought it was the end. And I feel like that's the story for some of you today. That in your life, you've thought that that thing, whatever the elephant in the room in your life is, you thought that that was the end. You look back on your life and you're embarrassed based on a situation. It could be, it could be a big one, right? Or it could be just something small that you've dealt with for 10 years. Regardless of the fact if it's big, if it's small, if it's something you can hide, or if it's something that was in the, in the paper and, and on the news, right? Regardless of what that looks like, it is the same for every single one of us to get to the tension of, I've got to make up for this. I've got to make sure that people don't find out about this. There's no way I can come back from this. I'm defeated. And that's how all of us at some point have felt. Whether you're saved or not in the room, whether you followed Jesus Christ as Savior, We've all felt that feeling of I'm defeated. I don't like how my personality is. I wish God had made me different. I don't like how this is going. I wish I had never done this. And, and, and we feel this tension of I've got to accomplish so much. And I'm just telling you, I believe that's exactly where the enemy wants us. So if you have your Bibles in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 54, this is the story that, that we just saw from just outside the old city in Jerusalem on the steps 
where Caiaphas' house currently sits, who was the high priest who was trying Jesus. And this was illegal, but he was able to do it, y'all, because it was just outside the city. That's the historical facts of the, of the cases. They could not try him based on the day that it was. It was about to be Friday and this couldn't take place. This was the wrong thing. And yet they were able to sneak it in because it was just out. I'm talking like it, it's closer than the road from here to get to the old city. I mean, it, it's right across the street. It's crazy. But they were able to sneak it in. And that's what people try to do to us is cut the corners and sneak in and twist the rules to get their way. And it says they seized Jesus and led him away, bringing him to the high priest. That's the place that we just were. And Peter was following at a distance. And so if y'all can picture it, those steps, and, and you can't see all the way down, but those steps lead all the way to the Kidron Valley or to the Garden of Gethsemane. That's where Jesus was praying the night before. That's where Peter cut the dude's ear off. So if you can picture the timeline, he walked up those steps. Those are the exact steps that he would have walked up. I just love seeing it. I love I love. To say, oh my gosh, this is the place. This is where it took place. I, I can stand on the same steps where all of this happened, where Jesus would have walked up, where he would have walked back. He would have walked down those steps a few hours before when he went from the upper room, which is only about 500 yards due north, straight up the mountain from Caiaphas' house. You can actually see the upper room from there. And so he would have walked right down past it. And if you're Jesus, you know what's going to take place. So can you imagine passing that location going, in a few hours, I'm going to be beaten. If In a few hours, one of the disciples that's closest to me, the three closest people in the whole world to me, listen to me, the three closest friends in my whole world are Peter, James, and John. And Peter, who is the alpha, the standout, he's going to cuss out loud denying me. He's going to swear and tell everybody that he doesn't even know who I am. I feel this knot in my stomach when I read this because, not because I think Peter's awful, but because I consider my own life. It says, and when they had kindled a fire in that place that if you were looking, it was over on the left and in the middle of the courtyard sat down together and Peter sat down among them. And then the servant girl seeing him sat in the light. Can you see her? Squinting over and looking closely at him. She said, you want to his." I saw you with him. And he said, and I believe this girl was probably about an eighth grader. Can you, can you imagine? You're a man now. You're in your early 20s. And an eighth grade girl comes and challenges you. In a typical situation, you would not bow your chest up and try to prove that you're right or prove your innocence. Because listen, this isn't even part of the message, but I feel like this is necessary to say. Most of the time, when we try to prove our innocence, it's because we, are, we know that we're guilty. If, if we can't just let the truth be the truth, it's because somewhere down deep inside, we feel the necessity to prove that we're right. God never needed us to prove that he was right. He is right. We just have to live out what he is. That's good preaching. But, but he denied him saying, woman, I don't even know who he is. And another translation says that he was a little more hateful. A little later, someone said, you're one of them. And it was a dude this time because he said, man, I'm not. And after an interval, about an, another hour. And so can you just picture it? Inside Peter, he is just churning. He knows what's taking place inside the building. You can actually walk into Caiaphas' house. It's fascinating. The, the upstairs looks like a house. The downstairs is a dungeon. It's, it's cut out of the white stone because most of Jerusalem is, is old white stone. 
The Bible says that where Jesus was crucified, it looked like a skull. And, it, and you can still see, when you walk into the church of the Holy Sepulchre, you can still see the place of the old stone where they've kind of encased it with, with rock, or excuse me, encased it with glass in that old rock. You can, it's the same stone, the same stone, the same limestone that was at the cross just a few hundred yards away where they rock, walk down the Via Della Rosa, the way of sufferings, what that means from that location. That same rock was built into the ground and they cut out rooms. It is unbelievable to sit in there because you can, they, they depict it today with ropes coming down. And you can picture Jesus in this, in this dungeon and he's being beaten and flogged and Peter knew everything that was taking place because he knew they didn't go in the dungeon to have tea. Are y'all with me? And it says after an interval of that hour, he said, Another person said, certainly this man's with him because he's a Galilean. We can see it. He looks different, sounds different, acts different. He's one of them. And Peter said, man, I don't know who you are, what you're talking about. Stop talking junk. I'm not him. Yeah, like we, can, we can just picture it. And This is the part that I feel this heaviness. Because the thing that we hope most in our lives is that we don't get caught. We'll do everything that we got to do to make sure that we never get caught. And it's almost like that's the thing. That if we could just get caught, then freedom could be right around the corner. The more that we try to cover what God never intended to be covered, then he can't be our covering. And this whole time, Peter tried to be good enough for his boys to lead the party, to make sure that the other 11 could follow his lead. And he never understood that God had that covered, that he just wanted his heart. And in that moment, it said immediately, someone say immediately, not, not seconds later, not minutes later, but immediately. It says, while he was still speaking, speaking the rooster crowed. I just feel the tension of if the rooster was crowing, because I don't think Jesus went, bazam, and made it crow. I think it was dawn. I think they had been there all night. The Bible says it was the middle of the night. And it says the interval of an hour went by with the third one. And so you can picture the son almost ready to come up. He had been there. He was tired. He was cranky. He had seen Jesus arrested, right? He had seen all this stuff take place. And then as he's sitting there tired, delirious, knowing what the man that he chose to give up his life to follow is going through hell. And he just wants to, all of it to end. He wants to take care of the problem. And so he says, no, stop. I'm done with this crap. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't even know who he is. Rooster crows. Rooster crows. Rooster crows. That pit in your stomach when you feel guilty and you know that you can never take it back. All of us have been there. I can't imagine what he was feeling. This is the part that gets me emotional. I think I can get through it. but <clears throat> Because it says that, and, and I'm reading into it, but undoubtedly what was happening is they were about to transfer Jesus, but he would have been flogged. You would have been able to tell that he had been through hell that night. And they were about to transfer him to another place and then back. I don't believe this was the time that they were actually transferring him out to pick up the cross and go. It wasn't quite time yet. But undoubtedly they were transferring him out to go to, the, to Pilate's place instead of Caiaphas' house. And look at this. It says, the Lord turned and looked at him. I think this is the hard part. I don't think Jesus looked at him with condemnation. And it's almost like when we're guilty, if someone would condemn us and say, you're the worst, 
you are that bad. It would almost feel better to us. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? Right? It almost is like, yes, I am, so thank you. You are agreeing with me, and I feel better because we're in agreement. But when Jesus had compassion in his eyes, when he still loved him in spite of denying him on his worst timing possible, there's not a possibility to have worse timing. I don't know what could be worse than the, there's not a second in Jesus' life up till this point that he needed his boys more than right now. And in that moment, the people closest to him, the man that was the alpha of the group, the biggest, he's denying him. Peter should have gotten cursed, condemned. I'm never talking to you again. I told you what you were going to do. And yet God in flesh looked at him with compassion, which is how he looks at you which is what he wants you to know about you is he loves you no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, he loves you. And Peter remembered what the Lord said, that before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. And... So this is why I chose this message. And this is what I want y'all to know before I get to the good part. This is straight from the heart. No matter how good you feel, no matter how much you know scripture, because some of you grew up like I did, and I'm very thankful for my upbringing, and you know scripture really well. You had parents that did devotions with you and some of you don't have a clue. Like you have to go to the index to look in your Bible and praise God that you're here. Because <laughs> what qualifies me is not that I knew the books of the Bible when I was five. <laughs> or that I had 50 scriptures memorized by the time I was in early elementary school. That did not qualify me. I'm thankful for that, by the way, because I can recall them. But when I take information... When I take education, when I take any of those things and I make it the foundation, I'm doomed for defeat. And most of us want information, want to feel good because I am a feeling person. The reason I feel like I would understand Peter is because I'm a, I'm a very emotional man. I'm an up and down high highs, low lows kind of dude. And when we feel good, when we feel high, we're ready to go. We will kick down hell's gates with a big old size 14 and then come in with super soakers plow, 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 and just knock them down. They ain't coming after us. But when it goes bad, well, it goes real bad. Are y'all with me? And I feel like most of us stay defeated in our lives because the enemy doesn't care how much you can accomplish as long as you believe that it's on you. And in this moment, Peter believed that it was on him and then, as a result, believed that there was no hope to come back. And that is how many of us walked in here today is, is I'm so thankful that y'all came. But I feel the tension of people watching online and in the room that I know what I've done, so therefore there's no way that I can do what God has called me to do. There is not one place in the Bible that says that that's true. There's not one place. I'm, I'm telling you, I challenge you to show me. I don't care what sin you've been through. If there's air in your lungs, God is not done with you yet. But the world tells us that you're done. In this moment, y'all listen to this, there's not a church on the planet 
that would have wanted Peter as their pastor. Are y'all with me? Not one. They would have been like, I don't care if you've been with Jesus for three years. You denied him. You lied. You're an idiot. You're so cocky anyway. We just want to punch you in the mouth and we're thankful that you failed. They write blogs about him and talk about how Peter, the, the fall of Peter, how sad it is. No one would want him to come back. And that's the danger of the times that we live in. In the social media era, he would have been crucified. And it would have been awful. I want to know how you define yourself today. Because I think this is the ticket. Do you define yourself by what you've done? I'm 60 years old up till this point in my life. Here's why I'm successful. Because I've done boom, 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 boom. I'm 13 years old. I've got straight A's. Therefore, I'm successful. I'm, 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 I'm in such and such a season of my life. How do you define yourself? Because the only way to go from defeated to undefeated is to stop defining ourselves by what we've done and begin to define ourselves by what he's already accomplished. Because what Christ accomplished is a finished work. When Jesus said, listen to this before I move on, when Jesus said it is finished, he was not talking about the breath in his lungs. He was talking about every work that would ever be done is accomplished through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That means everything that he had planned for you. And for you, and for you, everything, 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 there's not one thing that he is not finished with. He who began a good work in me will see it through to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he's already finished it. I just got to live it out. And it's not on me. And when I believe success is on me, I've defeated myself. We blame devils for things that ain't no devil. The devil ain't made me do it, y'all. Mark decided in his own mind that it was on me. And when I'm defeated in my life, it's because I lack the true faith and belief in Christ. It's in Christ alone that I place my trust. And when that's not the case, and when that's not the case, I don't care how good I can sound in a mic. I will go home and be nasty to my family because I won't feel like it. Are y'all with me? Do y'all understand what I'm talking about? <clears throat> Here's what took place. Quickly. And some of y'all know this story. But a few hours later, Jesus died. The Bible does not say Peter was there, and I don't believe he was. John was there. Some of the other disciples were close by, but Peter was hiding. Peter, Peter may have been close enough to get on a rooftop and be able to see it. Because where Golgotha is, is that a higher point of the city. And so you could, you could get in certain locations and you could have seen that horrible, tragic event. So Peter could have been a few city blocks away where no one would have recognized him but see it. Feeling like he couldn't get close enough because he's already denied him but not wanting to be too far away. And you can picture the thoughts that Peter must have been having in that moment. Like, I'll never come back from this. Has anybody ever felt that way before? Never come back from this. I've done something now in my life that there's no possible way that I can ever recover. And we begin to say eyes a lot because we think that it's on us. Jesus dies and he raises again. I love this part of the story. When Mary 
and Martha, or Mary Magdalene, I mean, excuse me, that Leah preached on a couple weeks ago, goes into the tomb and she sees that the tomb is empty. The first one, after the news travels, the first one to go back is Peter. Peter would have beat Usain Bolt back to the tomb, everybody. That joker was walking on air. Just That joker got there quick, looked in the tomb, saw it was empty. Something shifted in his life and he had this great hope in his life. But listen, here's what's so fascinating. Then the conversation takes place, but we still don't know what to do, so we went back. He went back. He went back to the place and the thing that he knew what to do because he said to himself, well, I can't do what God's called me to do. So I'm excited that he's alive, but I got to go back to being what I used to be. Can some of y'all listen right now that feel like I've felt so many times in my life? You don't have to go back to being what you used to be. You don't have to go back. They had seen Jesus was was alive but they were going back to be what they used to be. And then they have this encounter that's one of my favorite in all of the Bible in John 21. This took place on the Sea of Galilee in the very tip top of of the lake. You can't go any farther or you get to the top part of the Jordan River. It's it's just beside Capernaum where this took place. And there's this this shore of rocks, y'all. You can go there today. It's so cool. And I believe it looked a little bit different back then, but there's the shore of rocks. And what had taken place was that they had fished all night and they were doing their thing. And it says when they had finished breakfast. But what took place right before this breakfast was that Jesus yelled out, throw your nest to the other side. And they had fished all night and they were like, who's this guy telling us to do this? We're already cranky because we've been fishing all night. No one's there. And they threw him to the other side. They had this miraculous catch. The boat was sinking. They look out and they see who it is. And Peter basically walks on water again. He doesn't literally, but he is out. He goes and sees them. They have this amazing conversation. Then they ate breakfast together. And it says that Jesus said to Simon Peter, remember that this is only a few days. This is only a few days after it all took place where he denied him and lied about him. It says, Simon, do you love me? I need y'all to listen. This is not a question of, have you gone through the motions? Please don't miss this. Have you gone through the motions and raised your hand at the right time? Some of you did that exact thing and you meant it with all your heart and you gave your heart and life to Jesus, so I'm not making light of it. What I'm saying is if you just went through the motions and then you kept being in charge, it shows up in the worst time possible because when I'm in my lowest point, I think I've got to pull myself out from defeated to undefeated. And he's like, no, I just want to know, do you love me? And she said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him something so so fascinating. Well, then feed my lambs. I see you in the boat today, but that's not what I called you to be. Then he said a second time, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend to my sheep. Care for my people. Be a shepherd because the good shepherd is going upstairs. I'm going home, so I need some under-shepherds, some human beings that are flawed, that are screwed up. I need them to do the thing. I didn't say go back into the lake, did I? I said, ten, my sheep, because he asked him again, and he said, you know that I do. And then the third time, it hurt Peter's feelings because he's an emotional creature. Simon, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. When he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you, 
You know everything. You know that I love you. And then he said to him, feed my sheep and follow me. Truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, I'm going to stretch you out. And another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. That other person that's going to stretch him out was the Holy Spirit that would come just a few weeks later at Pentecost in the upper room. And this guy who was defeated was then told in that moment, I want you to go back, but this time you're not going to do it on your own. I'm going to do it in you. I'm going to leave my spirit for you. You don't have to be undefeated on your own. I'm going to pick you up. Put your feet on the rock. Remember that revelation that took place in Matthew 16 when you said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood didn't tell you this, Peter. But my spirit revealed that to you, that revelation that you knew who I was. Remember that, and this time I'm going to put my spirit in you. And you'll do, you'll do way more things than you thought. Peter was crucified upside down. One of the most gruesome deaths ever. The reason is I believe Peter didn't think that he was worthy of being crucified like his Savior. The boldness of this man went from a coward outside of a house to standing in the religious community and saying, it is not me anymore. It is Christ in me that can accomplish these things. He is greater. I don't have to be undefeated. He's already done the defeating. Now I just have to live in him. I have to walk with him. I have to let him have all of me. I have to stop trying to win and be a winner because he's already won. And that's the difference, y'all. It's what I believe And it's what matches with what he's done that shifts me from being defeated to undefeated. You will stay in in the exact place that you are currently in as long as you try to pick yourself up. You will be defeated just like Peter was. Or you can you can look at your life. I'm not asking where you work. I'm asking who has your heart. Because he will shift you exactly where he wants to go. He will move you exactly where he plans to take you. But you will never accomplish what God intends for you to be on your own. And you will look back on your life and you will say, how did I end up here? How did I get this far away from God? How do I feel this lonely? And it doesn't have to be that way. The Bible says, greater love hath no one than this, than someone would lay down his life for his friends. Can you imagine the compassion and love that our Savior has by taking men that he knew would deny him and loving him, by taking a Judas, listen to this, who not only betrayed him, but never came back, but when Judas came to betray him he said friend do you betray me with a kiss God does not want you to go from defeated to undefeated so that you do these magic tricks for him he's got the awesome covered he wants a friend the Bible desires for you to be the friend of God Peter thought that he had to perform for God 
and forgot the friendship with God was something that Jesus had come to show us. And whenever we believe that the only thing that God wants is our, is our service, which is definitely part of the process. It's amazing that God uses our service to accomplish great things. But if that's what I believe that I'm put on the planet to do, and not to worship him in spirit and in truth, to have a friendship with him, to love him, then I've missed the whole point of everything that he did. God loves you. And he chooses to take you from that mess that you made and put you over on the solid rock that is him. And it changes everything. But you'll never see it done as long as we believe like Peter believed. That I've screwed it up and I've got to fix it. Can I tell you something? You don't have to fix anything. You just have to bring your mess to him. So today, I believe, I believe that this message is for anybody in the room that can honestly evaluate their life and say, I'm tired. I've tried. I've made a declaration that I'm never going to mess up. God, I'll never do this again. And I find myself doing this again over and over. And today, I'm going to let him fill me up and change my life forever. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? <clears throat> Pastor, it felt like the whole time you were talking straight to me. And the truth is I've never given my heart to Jesus. I've gone through motions and I've even been religious, but I've never said, yes, Jesus, I need you to save me. And right now, in the presence of God and all of our people around us. I just wanna, I wanna say yes, I'm so tired. I'm tired of running, I'm tired of being a mess. I'm tired of calling myself a screw up and looking at myself as defeated. No longer will I be defeated. I give my heart and life to Jesus and I trust him as my savior and Lord right in this moment. If that's you, I just want you to throw your hand up. I believe there's people all in the room. Thank you, who else? Just throw your hand up. Throw your hand up and say, that's me, come on. Come on, I believe there's more. Throw your hand up and say, I need Jesus. I, this is not about going through motions. This is, not about, this is about my heart belongs to God. I am a friend of God. I will be his follower. I will feed the sheep. I will follow him wherever he goes. Christians, Christians, this is for you. How many of y'all would just say in agreement with me? I'm not going to ask you to stand or move. I just want to see if there's anybody that felt like I felt this morning or last week, or last month. Man, I've done stuff for God, and I've tried, and I've been on mission trips maybe, or whatever, but so often I feel like I mess up. And when I do, I just question if God loves me. And today, I just wanna not rededicate my life or anything like that. I just wanna confess that and declare that I'm so thankful for his love and his friendship and that I'm with him, heart and soul. I receive his love, and I choose for the rest of my life to never try to be good enough again. But with the Lord's help, just walk in a fellowship and a communion with him. If that's you, all over the room, I just want you to put your hand up and write back down. All over the room, man. God, you saw 90% of the room just throw their hands up, and Lord, I believe that's our problem, and Capital C Church, I, it's so hard. Matter of fact, it's almost impossible to not believe that we have to be good enough. But God, today we choose your love. 
we choose a friendship with an awesome God, we choose to say yes to your way, there is nothing that we can't accomplish when that is the way that we believe we're undefeated. Lord, I just pray a blessing over every person in this room right now that feel defeated, that feel accursed in their lives, that they will remember how great you are and that we have a friendship that is unbelievable with the God of the universe who doesn't hold our past against us, but chooses on purpose not to remember them and chooses to call us sons and daughters. Lord, we stand, we stand locking arms as your army, saying where you go, we'll go. Where you, if you stay, we'll stay. When you say move, Lord, we'll move. You tell us where and when and why, and we're there. We love you, God, and we say we will do what you asked Peter to do, and we will be your sheep that follow you. Thank you, Jesus for how great you are. And thank you that this house in this room right now is not defeated. We're undefeated because of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Y'all stand and sing with us.